You're listening to the Sketchnote Army podcast. I'm your host, Mike Rohde, the author of the Sketchnote Handbook and the Sketchnote Workbook. And this is the podcast where I chat with sketchnoters and visual thinkers and try to understand what makes them tick. This episode of the Sketchnote Army podcast is brought to you by the Sketchnote Idea Book, the sketchbook designed for sketchnoters. Equipped with a no-bleed, no-show-through paper, the Sketchnote Idea Book can take almost any marker or pen you can throw at it. Learn more at sketchnoteideabook.com. And now, I'm with the show. Hello, friends. I know right now we're in a very challenging time in the world with the coronavirus pandemic happening, and it can be very distressing. I wanted to mention a few things we've created here that can maybe offer a little respite and a moment of joy amidst all these challenging days we find ourselves in. First, for something to listen to while you're at home or wherever you may be, we built up a collection of over 50 Sketchnote Army podcast interviews over six seasons, and you can listen to those anytime you like at sketchnotearmy.com podcast. Secondly, we have the Sketchnote Army Slack, something we've been emphasizing recently. It's an online chat tool, and it's a place that we've created where you can chat with other visual thinkers about sketchnotes, visual thinking, or whatever's on your mind. We've even got a self-care channel there if you need to talk about some things to help yourself out. You can join the Sketchnote Army Slack for free at sketchnotearmy.com slack. Please sign up for the Slack channel, and we'll talk to you there. Thanks. Hey everyone, in this final episode of Season 7, I'm pleased to bring you a discussion with Liza Donnelly, a visual journalist, a longtime cartoonist for The New Yorker magazine, an author, and a popular live drawing teacher on Twitter. You're going to enjoy this one. Liza, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. You're so welcome. You were recommended by friend of the show, Steve Silbert, who is a huge fan. Mm-hmm. And um, I know he and Rob and I noticed that you were doing live drawing uh, mm-hmm. through the pandemic stuff that's going on at this very moment. And we're excited to see that. That sort of told us you, were, you would be a pretty interesting person to talk to. And as many listeners know, my goal here with the podcast is to really push our boundaries beyond just ourselves to other people that work in other visualization spaces, whatever they may be. So mm-hmm. the first question I have for you is uh, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do. Um, okay, so you said, yeah, I'm, an, I'm a cartoonist of the New Yorker. I've been with them drawing cartoons for 40 years now. Wow. Um, and I'm usually in print. Uh, I've done some mm-hmm. writing for them online, short pieces mostly about other cartoonists, uh, historical things. Uh, hmm. And um, recently I did a, a New Yorker piece about my uh, sort of a memoir, a little memoir piece, because I've been there so long, I thought I should do something. Um, <laughs> so that's that, and that that's... Uh, just single panel cartoons. Uh, I've done some graphic stuff for them too, but mostly single panel uh, uh, with a caption. And I always draw those on paper. Hmm. I may submit my ideas to them every, every week. We all do it every week. We submit it eight, eight to 10 ideas, uh, sketches uh, digitally on my iPad, but the final drawings I always do in paper hmm. just because I always have, and I just like the, the look for that, that publication. So I write as well. I've written, I've uh, put together 17 books, including children's books I've written wow. and, and illustrated myself and collections of, of cartoonist work. I wrote a, one of my favorite books I've done I, that I enjoyed doing was Funny Ladies, which is a history of the women cartoonists at the New Yorker. Hmm. And because there were women there in 1925, believe it or not, when the magazine was founded. 
and so that was a really fascinating to to research and write. Um, I'm doing an updated version soon next year because there's many more women now. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. fantastic. So a writer and uh, an editor. I've, I've curated some shows, and now what I think maybe we're connected on in in another way is the live drawing thing. And you mentioned that I'm live drawing now during the pandemic. And that's true. I hadn't thought of that, but I am. And it's a different kind of live drawing. Mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. in my studio alone. And I did this, like, before I got my iPad, I used to put the iPhone over my hand and to film myself drawing. And oh. I put that on social media. This was okay. probably six years ago or so. And I found that people loved it because I think it's the human connection. The people mm-hmm. like watching us draw, right? Yep. Um, they find it fascinating. So I did that a bit, and now I'm doing it during the pandemic because I can't go out and do my other live drawing. Mm. So what I'm doing now is I uh, every day at 5, I'm doing a live segment, usually about 15 minutes or less, uh, for Instagram TV and then Periscope. And I just I talk to the camera a little bit, I talk about what's going on, sort of connecting with the audience, and then I mm-hmm. live draw over my hand. I, have a, I bought a... Uh, gizmo that holds my phone i just oh, okay just hook it in there and it sits over my hand so i could just draw freely and um and then i post it on on the social media sites so people find that interesting so that's that's one kind of live drawing but then the other kind that i'm getting to be known for a lot is uh on my ipad where you can and i call it like visual journalism mm-hmm, live, mm-hmm. live digital drawing where i um go to events political or cultural and draw uh what i see on my tablet and then tweet it out immediately so mm. people my followers are almost with me uh on yeah. the journey wherever i am and so i've been lucky enough to get access to the oscars so i get to go wow watch the rolling out of the red That's carpet great. i get to go watch the dress rehearsal um go the to the kitchen so i draw not just the big main event but i draw like the speakers or the stars but i draw what's going on behind the scenes the workers mm-hmm. the people who take out the trash so I do that. I've done that. I did that at the DNC in 2016 for CBS. I was hired by CBS for about two years to work with them. I've done it for the New Yorker as well for their online site. Uh, and uh, I do it for co- uh, corporations and uh, summits, uh, whoever hears about me and finds mm-hmm. it interesting. I work with the social media teams intimately, you know, so we, I, I tweeted out on my stream but I also immediately send the drawings to mm. their social media team mm-hmm. and they do what they want with them. So that's built into the the hiring. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. get me there on site, but you also get my drawings to use on social or on your website. So, um, and I, most of the time these are draw- just visuals. I don't often put words in the drawings at this for, for most of these events. I have mm. paired, for CBS I paired uh, I do the video screen grab, which many of your listeners probably know about, where with an app, with an iPad you can grab it so that you can see the drawing emerge. And you mm-hmm. pair that with audio, speed it up and pair it with audio like an interview. That makes an interesting little package. So I'm just exploring all kinds of new ways to do this. Hmm. Sounds like you fit right into the sketchnoting community. Many yeah. people in this community are experimenting with um, iPads and recording mm-hmm. and all those same mm-hmm. things, maybe not particularly in that specific space. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's kind of what makes it fun is uh, there's this wide variety of application. Mm. And when someone sees me. the work, yeah. yeah. So, I Sorry. mean, if someone sees the work you're doing, they could be inspired to try that in a place they hadn't imagined before, which is pretty cool. So, uh, I had a, f- a few questions after listening to sort of um, an overview of 
uh, sort of what you're up to. When you do the live drawing, you mentioned that you do it at two, two, to two locations, uh, Periscope and Instagram TV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is there a way that, do you do that with uh, a single uh, phone or do you have two phones running? How do you handle That's a great that idea. technically? No, I do it different times. So like I'll do Instagram ah. at five and, and Periscope at 5.15. Okay. But um, that you have me thinking now, how could I, I don't have two phones, but I could, maybe I could rig up my Make your computer. iPad be the second one or something. Yeah. I only think of that because um, we have little kids and we, we have been watching Josh Gad reading stories. Um, uh-huh. And he has apparently has two phones or two devices because he's doing them both at the same time. Because he's looking at this one and then he turns to this one. And so he's going back and forth as he reads this story. So I thought, well, he must be running two devices. So that that's an interesting idea to have more yeah. than one source coming out of the same moment, which is kind of cool. That, yeah, that's a great idea. Thank you for that. <laughs> I'll try to figure that out. <laughs> Not a problem. Mm-hmm. And then as far as the live um, the live experience, the live drawing that you had been doing until obviously it's difficult to do now with everyone mm-hmm. being at home. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I had a similar experience when I was playing with sketchnoting. So uh, one of the signature events that I ended up going to quite a bit was South by Southwest Interactive in mm-hmm. Austin, mm-hmm. which unfortunately this year had to be canceled for obvious reasons. Um and what I discovered was I started sketchnoting it and just doing it for myself. And over time, the, the organizers found me and sort of gave me a pass to go explore. And I remember mm. the experiment that I tried then was I had just picked up an iPhone. And so I was able to do kind of what you were saying. I'd do the sketch note in my notebook. And then immediately afterward, I would take a photo and tweet it maybe with a little commentary. And what I found was most cases when you would tweet things from South by Southwest, especially in its peak, um, there would be people that would unfollow you or, or hide you because they were so um, uh, feeling left out, right? Because you were there and they weren't. And what I oh. found was it almost flipped, the whole dynamic flipped when I shared the sketch notes, like immediately after the session, that it actually drew people in to feel like they were part of it. So it actually oh, that's worked so great in the opposite hear. way, right? Yeah. So uh, by by using the element of time that way, and now you know you could do live video, I suppose from in that kind of context. But that, mm-hmm. I just found that really interesting that there were all these comments. Oh, you're making it feel like I'm there with you. I get um, that too. Yeah, and I so that's interesting. I I never felt I didn't notice people because I've always whenever I go to these places I'm drawing them, so mm-hmm, I haven't mm-hmm. felt the downside of people feeling that like they're not there. I always feel the upside. Although I, there are probably a lot of people who've unfollowed me because they don't like what I'm doing, but, <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. I tried to, I did speak at South by Southwest last year and I was supposed okay. to speak this year and, um, talk about like, I, I'm a historian of, of, uh, the New Yorker cartoon, but also of mm. political cartoons in this country. So I, mm-hmm. last year I talked about political cartooning and, and drawing Trump and trying to, to cope with the new reality of, of, of that. Um, and this year I was supposed to talk about how, uh, how how the internet or how social media connects us. Oh, no, sorry, sorry how, how humor connects us. That's mm. what it's going to be. Okay. There's something about drawing, combining drawing with the internet that uh, s- softens the internet for people. It makes it more human. So I think that's why they like the drawing. Yeah. I mean, I know that in cases where I've done live drawing or even recorded drawing, people seem really fascinated by watching me work. Like, to me, it's just like, well, that's just what I do. Mm-hmm. doesn't seem special to me, but to other people to see me working seems interesting. And I know that 
even myself, when I see other people drawing, I'm always wondering and thinking about what they're thinking about. And Mm -hmm. to see that, see your your sort of thinking made visible is pretty attractive. So I can Mm -hmm. see why, you know, your your live drawings would be attractive for people to to observe and see and just see how they how they unfold and Mm. what comes what's coming. You know, you're you're obviously taking in a scene or a moment or an experience and converting that into a drawing. So you can't Mm -hmm. capture everything. Mm-mm. So at a base level, you're making a decision about what you're going to put on that canvas and right. what you're going to represent, which is pretty interesting mm-hmm. considering all the options <laughs> in, at the Oscars that are available for you uh, to capture, right? I know. You know? Yeah, you make a decision and that's the editorializing. Um, and that's what I, yeah, that's what I tell people. It's like, oh, I may not. I have done snarky comments. Like if I'm doing it for myself, for example, the debates, I was live drawing hmm. all the debates and I did it from my my. Uh, in front of my TV because mm-hmm. I couldn't get anybody to hire me to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do it. I'm doing it for myself, and I and I so I often do, and I'm well aware of my choices as I'm watching the debates as to who I'm depicting more. And I try to be even-handed. I don't want to be too too partisan. Mm-hmm. So because uh, that's part of my who I am. I don't want to uh, come across as too partisan. So yeah. So it's it's interesting to. But but I can't help it. All journal all journalists uh, right, and we're journalists. All journalists see differently, and so mm-hmm. they're going to bring their own take. I would think that that's the reason why you follow someone, right? You, the reason I would mm. follow you is because I want to see your take, even yeah. maybe if I disagree with it. Like I would hope, yeah, maybe that you would want to see that, and like it would force you to think about things that you hadn't thought about. And well, that's why I, I try to be nonpartisan. Is because mm-hmm. if you if you're getting loud and. Uh, and angry and yelling uh, in a graphic way. I mean, maybe we have to do that sometimes to get it off our chest, but uh, you're not, possibly not going to get people to listen the, on the other side. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so about the live drawing specifically, a few questions there was, obviously you're taking an iPad around and you're doing drawing. Do you find it pretty portable and does it work pretty well for you? Is there any, have there been any times where... It's been a liability or problem that you've encountered, or has it been pretty a pretty good tool for you? It's a great tool. I have no complaints about the iPad. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of some. the The recent, the, the newest iPad Pro, you can your pencil can magnetically stick on the edge of the iPad, which is genius because I kept dropping them and losing them. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. they're not cheap, so <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I always travel with two anyway. So that's great, and I um, recently this is this is kind of you, you might find this amusing. Maybe you saw it, but I um, I'm a, a little bit of a runner. I'm not very fast, but I run, and mm-hmm. I decided to run the marathon in New York last year. Mm. And the previous half marathon I'd done, I had my phone with me as one does, and I just started drawing, which I I do that. I draw on my phone with my finger. Okay. Uh, because the stylus, the pencil does not work on the phone. You have yeah, to use yeah. something else, which is a problem. At least anyway, not yet, finger, anyway. <laughs> finger works fine. Yeah, not yet. Um, and I drew rough, crude drawings as I was walking during a walk break and uh, tweeted them out as I as I ran. Hmm. So I decided to do that for the marathon. And uh, and then I ended up selling the, the prints of the drawings to benefit the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society because I raised money Oh, that's nice. But... Um, Live drawing during the marathon, I had a mini iPad, and I had oh, okay. a gizmo, like a thing that, not a gizmo, but a strap that went around my neck, and mm-hmm. uh, 
and it worked pretty well. <laughs> it wasn't like slapping into you as you're trying to run it. It's like a t- no, like I had it like crossbody. I had a crossbody, oh, okay. and Got I'm it. a slow runner, so it was you know not a huge problem. Um, cool. And I wasn't going for my time, so I was just trying to get to the end. <laughs> well, that's pretty interesting so. as we, you know, often sketchnoters are typically stationary. You know, you're sitting in a conference or, mm-hmm. you know, you sort of per- you park yourself. But it's interesting mm-hmm. to push the, what you're saying is pushing these boundaries to why couldn't yeah. you carry an iPad along with you, you know, in a backpack, in a sling, you know, in some mm-hmm. way, and then just stop as you're experiencing things and capturing it. Mm-hmm. while it's still really fresh mm-hmm. that's that's an interesting idea mm-hmm. and it sort of opens up um visualization of experiences a lot more when you're moving right um taking things with you yeah and the drawings uh are are purposefully because i have to crude you know they're just they're not really about the drawing as much mm-hmm. as they are about the experience mm-hmm. i had that experience uh many many years ago i went with a with a korean friend to a korean restaurant in chicago and so we we had this wonderful lunch and on the way back, I decided to sketch in my little pocket sketchbook. Mm-hmm. But I was on the L train, so <laughs> it was not exactly the smoothest ride in the world. So I did my best, mm-hmm. and I put this image up on on uh, Flickr. Mm-hmm. And there were so many comments that they really liked this loose uh, style, which was totally a byproduct of <laughs> trying to draw on a train yeah. that was bouncing around. But they really found this attractive, which really shocked me in a good way. Like, wow, I hadn't thought you know, that this, what I perceive as a limitation actually makes it more interesting. And this probably the same kind of thing if you're mm-hmm. running and you're limited. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in constraints. I think constraints make for interesting solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, so this sounds like one of those cases as well, where you sort of turn something that could be seen as a, as a limitation into actually a positive, which is pretty cool. It was certainly fun for me. Um, that's interesting about the iPad, because when I first started drawing on the iPad, having been on paper for decades with a crow quill pen which is my Mm. preferred drawing tool um the ipad really loosened me up and i feel like uh it was almost like going back to when i was first drawing as a kid Mm. it was so it's so fluid and loose wow let's this is pretty interesting um while we're still talking about what you do um i would love to hear what is the process for the cartoons you do. You talked about doing them with pen and paper and that you just have done that since the beginning. Can you talk a little bit about what the process is like and then maybe as you're talking about it, reflect on why you why you think you've continued to do this analog. I'm a big believer in using both and using the tool that you like mm-hmm. based on the context. So that totally makes sense to me, but I think it would be fun for, for me and for others to hear sort mm-hmm. of why you choose to continue to do that in analog. What are the benefits to you or the... Maybe mm-hmm. it's the process or the the, mm-hmm. the mindset or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Well, the the process for submitting cartoons to the New Yorker has has remained the same since the beginning. It started, uh, whereas cartoonists, wherein cartoonists uh, come up with a eight to ten ideas, I'll sketch them out. I think I mentioned this already. Mm-hmm. Send them into the editor, and they either buy one or they don't. So there's very little. Uh, instruction or, or mm. guidance um, there used to be the New Yorker used to have themed issues and that was one one sort of guide but they don't mm-hmm. do that anymore uh, so you have a lot of rejected cartoons and um, ones that don't make it I don't certainly don't sell every week uh, so you, you get pretty tough <laughs> you try to get tough <laughs> to rejection and uh, it's still not easy after all these years you, you think oh, why didn't they buy that one or why didn't they buy those 
So uh, it's hard, but the good thing about it, I always tell people, is that if you, the more you draw, the better you get. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, so you're, you're, you're just getting better, and you're, and you're, and, and it also forces you to, and I'm not good at this, but it forces you to draw for yourself. In, in other words, you're not drawing to because you think this is what the New Yorker's going to buy, because you have no idea what they're going to buy, and it changes mm. every week. They, you know, they might, you th- you think you might have something that is perfectly for them, and they don't buy it. And you resubmit it five times, and they still don't buy it. So hmm. you don't really know. You never know. And that just keeps keeps you on your toes. And it's been like that. And my husband's a cartoonist for The New Yorker, so and he does the same thing. I think I stay with the paper because I've always done it for The New Yorker. I've always done it that way. The finished drawings are on paper with a croquil pen. Uh, I like It's sort of like my signature style in, the, in, in those drawings. And also, if I off chance somebody wants to buy the original, then I have an original. That It's only happened a few times for me, but a lot of cartoonists do sell their original art. But I do like having, maybe that's my one area that I want to just keep there, like original artwork, you know, something on a piece of paper, something you can enjoy on a wall mm-hmm. someday. So that's that sentimental attachment to it, I guess. This There was one time, I wanted to tell you this, your listeners might find this amusing or provocative, about two years ago, I, I was running and I tripped and fell and broke my arm. I broke my right arm, which is my oh, drawing no. arm. Yeah, I know. And it wasn't until after like half an hour, I realized I was sitting in the, e- in the ER thinking, oh my God, I don't know if I can move my hand. <laughs> so I took it for granted that it would be fine, but it, luckily it was fine. But I did have my arm in a sling for um, six weeks and um, I couldn't draw with it for a long time. But I learned how to draw with my left hand on my, on my iPad which um, is hard to do on paper, but on an iPad it's easier because you can make a mark and then immediately erase it and then make another mark and get it mm. just so. It takes a little bit longer, but you can get, get it just so the way you want it uh, with an iPad. So I did a bunch of drawings, cartoons, and the New Yorker actually bought one. So that was the only digital drawing I had ever published in the magazine. Hmm. It was done, done with my left hand. So. I don't know if any of your listeners are ambidextrous, that, but uh, that's a good question. I've never I'm thought not, to ask that question. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm sort of. I mean, as, as long as an iPad is yeah. in my reach, but uh, anyway. Yeah, you don't think about that. I mean, I've had, I've never broken a hand, but I've often often wondered about that when I take bike rides. Like, what if I fall off and yeah, hurt myself? Because it's, it's a liability. You should insure you know, your arm, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm a designer. I use my right hand with the mouse to do work and. I'm sure there'd probably be ways to work around it, but you'd find um, a way. Yeah. So there's other limitations too. Like I was in a in a meeting sketch noting for the for the presentation, and my book started to come apart, and I didn't have a backup. So I've learned to take backup things mm-hmm. <laughs> with me. Yeah. I mean, that certainly helps in those kind of situations. But uh, physically being limited is uh, something you don't always think about, but it definitely has an impact for sure. Yeah. I kind of wonder too, like uh, you talked about using the same kind of paper, croquil pens. And well, I'm going to look, we have show notes, so I'm going to dig that up. So people who don't know what that is, I happen to know what that is because I came up in the old school. I learned how to do all my my, um, design work with wax paper and Mm X-Acto knives and boards. And and I use croquil pens in school. And I think there's actually a bit of a discovery of um, fountain pens and brushes and all those tools again, for people who never had experienced them before. Mm, mm -hmm. So I wonder if there might be someone who would be kind of curious about a croquil pen and dipping in India ink and and seeing all the 
benefits of that, but of course, you know, the limitations that sort of force you to do things. And that all that to say, I wonder if, you know, you, you spoke, you only did one with your left hand for the New Yorker. Part of it must be that you know that process. Mm. So you can produce output that's going to be Liza Donnelly style, right? If you suddenly went to the iPad, you might have to work pretty hard to recreate that exactly. Maybe that's a shift you could choose to make, but I wonder if part of it is just simply, you know that you know these materials and it sort of takes away that friction to getting that idea on the page. Would you say that's maybe part of it? Sort of, although, although uh, I do the, the ideas and the sketches on my iPad, so they're very rough okay. and they're very loose. And uh, then when I do the finish work, I still follow the same old uh, process that I did when I was starting out, which is uh, I have a sketch back before iPads. I would have a sketch on a piece of paper, right? That was the, that was the, the rough that I had sent into the New Yorker. And they said, we want to buy this. I say, okay, I take the rough and I put the, 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 the arches paper or the bond on top of the sketch and then use a light box to, mm. to draw the finished drawing through that. So the elements of the, drawing are already pretty much decided unless sort of I might re- I might resketch it on a on a cheap piece of paper to okay. rearrange the elements but um by the time I get to the crow quill uh it's already decided and that's pretty much okay but you know it's interesting because um I don't know if your listeners know Ed Sorrell the, the political cartoonist um he's still he's not drawing a lot anymore he's a, a good bit older than I am but he um he used to, he's a friend, and he used to, to sort of uh, scold me and say, you really shouldn't be using that light box. You'd be just drawing straight on the paper with a pen, because that's what he does. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I'm too terrified to do that. I can't do that. But I can do it now. Uh, it, just, it takes time, I guess, and, mm-hmm. and loosening up. And I think the iPad loosened me up in, in a lot of ways that, mm. that I was slowly transferring over to, to paper. And, and if you watch me do it live on at 5 o'clock every day, you'll, you'll see... That I'm, I'm not. I'm just drawing straight pen on paper. Hmm. So you're not doing the light box. That's probably part of that whole process of the, you know, you get into cartoon mode and you're sort of following these things that you know work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, using the light box and the certain pen mm-hmm. and the papers and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last question about this: What's what is the scale of the original cartoons that you do? Is I assume they must be larger than the scale we see in the New Yorker magazine, but yeah. how much bigger are they? Well, now they're uh, about eight and a half by eleven. The, the paper. Mm-hmm. When I was first starting out, I drew much bigger. Uh, and that's when I would take the drawings into the magazine in person, mm-hmm. drop them off. I wouldn't mm-hmm. see the editor. I'd just drop them off uh, and then pick them up next week. I just I just liked working bigger. So mm-hmm. 14 by 18 or 12 by wow. 16, something like that. But because of the technology that sort of crept into our lives, we you know, I used to uh, fax them in. <laughs> mm. And now we email them in. So I, I don't mm-hmm. have a huge uh, scanner. Uh, perhaps I should get one. Hmm. So, although I don't work big anymore. But yeah, they're, yeah, they're pretty small. Interesting. Yeah, that technology definitely has improved things. I mean, even I could even imagine using the camera on your phone. You probably could bring that into Photoshop and it may be maybe press quality already at the size. I know. You know, yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, it's a pretty interesting space. Um my only claim to fame as a cartoonist was in college and I did political cartoons in the college newspaper and a strip mm. in the newspaper. So Great. Uh, that was a long, long time ago, but I really enjoyed that process sort of coming up with 
things that you know re- related to the universe to the college oh, that i was right. in and yeah, uh-huh. had fun with that so so i can feel a kinship and i remember those days in producing one panel political cartoons for the newspaper and it was pretty fun to do so oh, they were one panel yeah the one panel mm-hmm. and then i had a strip in the back of the of the newspaper with That's a character right. that I developed. So it was it was kind of fun to know that there's this thing every week. In that case, I didn't have to, um, you know, submit and hope for the best. I was the cartoonist, so <laughs> there was no one else if I didn't mm-hmm. do it that didn't exist. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a good challenge every week to have this, this challenge. I, I should see if I can dig some of these up and throw them in Dropbox for people that are curious to see uh, see some, some of my old work. But I, uh, Yeah, I have a lot of respect for political cartoonists that work on, for a on a regular basis for oh, yeah. a newspaper because they they often have to come up with five five cartoons a week and uh, or mm-hmm. more and uh, to be opinionated that often <laughs> in a way that <laughs> in a way that is not that, that is funny and that is right interesting and well drawn it's like wow I mean I do yes. political cartoons I've done some for the New Yorker they're very mild New Yorker type political cartoons but. Mm-hmm. If I want to get stronger, I just do my own thing and I publish them on Medium. If your mm. listeners know about Medium, it's a good mm-hmm. blog platform for your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I publish them there. So I don't mm. have the pressure that most of those yeah. people do. I think in in that case, when I was in college, I think it was every two weeks. So I had a little bit of time to think oh, yeah. the concept. So it wasn't the pressure. Did you wait until the last minute? Um, sometimes. Most of the time <laughs> I had ideas pretty, pretty much immediately. So, mm-hmm. But there were occasions where I would wait till the last night and be inking the night before and Mm -hmm. you know in those days we had to give the we had to do it at size or larger and someone would scan it and put it into the paper and so it was technically a different story but you know same concepts that was fun that was fun well um i want to shift a little bit to the tools you use you've started to allude a little bit to some of them one is a croquel pen Mm -hmm. for for, uh, listeners who just don't even have a conception of what that is describe of what that is for someone so they understand what it is and like how do you work with it maybe they'll understand from the cartoons the animated cartoons or the drawing with a feather mm. you know those those old those old cartoons or or mm-hmm. maybe even movies where in the colonial days they would they would write letters with a feather the tip of a feather so it's mm-hmm. a pointed it's a pointed uh cocoa is a pointed metal thing that sticks in a a wooden holder it's got a mm-hmm. special holder uh, and um, there are, they come in a variety of shapes and sizes. I have a number of them. And you just dip it into a bottle of ink and then hmm. bring it and to the paper it. and draw. And then you, after a few strokes, you have to dip it again. Hmm. Does, the, um, does the tip split like a fountain pen or is it solid? Some of them do hmm. uh, split. Yeah, they are. They are. Yeah, they are. The, the ones I have are all split. I'm not. I'm not in the room with them right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they they're all technically are split. But I don't press hard enough, and that's I why I like Croquil. Uh, is because it gives you a a line that is varied. So I know I know there's some technical pens and some modern pens that do that as well. Mm-hmm. Markers and stuff that have brushes. I have a couple of them myself. That they're they're actually brush like. Um, and the croquil is sort of brush-like, but it's not as soft. So you get you can get like if you're if you're pressing lightly, it's a thin line. If you put a little pressure on it, it gets thicker, and then pull it back up. Hmm. So my my style is so simple. It, it I try to get um, as much character in the line that I as I can. Hmm. I see. I see. Mm-hmm. 
And then you mentioned the paper that you use. What is the paper that you like to use for the cartoons themselves when you do production stuff? I think it's Arches Hot Press, which is uh, mm. comes in big sheets. Mm-hmm. And Hot Press, or is it Cold Press? I forget now. One of them is, it's all basically a watercolor type paper that will take the the uh, liquid pretty well. Um, so they, hot press or cold press, I forget which, one has the watercolor roughness to it mm. and the other does not. One but it has this, yeah. So I like the smooth usually okay. for my cartoons. And then and then I do, a, I do the line work and let it dry and then I do the wash and I try to make the wash mm. as loose as possible with some darks and grays and... Um, Keep it organic. Yeah. Now, do you ever do any kind of pencil underlay? It sounds like you're doing. Um, you're looking through a, uh, a, light, a light box, box right? So yeah. you wouldn't need that. But no. Yeah. No, just use the light box. Interesting. That's another tool that we'll have to look up and put a link to. That maybe people don't always, often think about the light box being a benefit mm-hmm. um, for tracing or copying things. There's some really inexpensive ones now. Like I, I needed to have a small one for. Uh, my apartment in New York City because I have, the one I have now in my studio here is big box. It's like a big mm. box. It's really old. It's, I got it when I first started out. I still haven't had to replace the bulbs. I don't know why not. It's like the forty <laughs> year old bulbs. bulbs, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I turn it on, then I turn it off. So I, I, mm. I guess I'm. Anyway, they have new ones now that you just plug into your ISB. You plug it into the. Uh, the using a, uh, yeah mm. uh, into the wall and. Um, and it's very thin and usable. So, I can imagine they might even build some with battery packs, right? So you wouldn't even need to do anything more than charge them, and then you could use them in a remote. Yeah, assuming you would need that in a remote instance. Wow. Um, one other thing to mention is the whiteout. Like I mm-hmm. before before computers, I, I did work before there were computers. They ha- I had to use whiteout. So if I made a mistake, and sometimes I would have to do a drawing like like over and over and over again to get it just right because I I'm pretty fussy about the way it feels or looks, mm-hmm. not not so much about like, how something's drawn, but how, well, yeah, it is about how something's drawn, but it, I try to get it loose. Like I just mm, took I two seconds to draw it. So I would sometimes do a drawing five, ten times before it was just right. And then there would be an odd mistake. So I'd use white paint, it's called whiteout, mm-hmm. to, to, to correct whatever that was. Um, and I know some cartoonists from the 30s who, and I have their originals, um, you can get sometimes you can find something cheap on eBay, original old art, where they like Barbara Sherman was a cartoonist in the '30s. She would use whiteout or white paint, probably acrylic, uh, to to mask, but also to create highlight in the drawing. Mm. I just don't know how she does it. It's really sort of gestural drawings, beautiful drawings. But I use whiteout to fix mistakes. And now, since I scan my cartoons myself, the New Yorker used to do it for us. Now we scan our our own work and send mm-hmm. it in. I just use Photoshop. <laughs> okay. To, to I know correct. Mm-hmm. In some cases, I've got uh, little white pens that have white ink oh. in them that can use oh. can you can use for little little tidbits or. Oh, mistakes. I didn't know about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so there's a few of them. I think they tend to be um, jet pens, which is a jet. They focus on Asian office supplies. They they have a okay. fair amount of white pen selections mm-hmm. there that you could choose from, which is nice for portability, right? Yeah. But I've definitely had my share of whiteout. I found some old cartoons um, in a in a little portfolio case, and I pulled them out, and you could see the whiteout was starting to yellow because mm. it was really, you know, it was intended Uh-oh. to be used within the first six months or something, and it started yellowing because it's not really meant for that. But uh, hmm. it's kind of fun to see see those 
those mm-hmm. repairs that mm-hmm. I'd made back in the old days. There's a Facebook page just out of amusement. There's a Facebook really? page that somebody started that says old art supplies. Uh, that's what it's called, I think. And it's really just fun to, if, if you've been around a while like I have and you have, to see and remember what, what we used to use back in mm-hmm. the... Mm-hmm. And amazingly, a lot of that is still available um, mm-hmm. if you uh, want to use it. I, I've been surprised at some of the things that are still on the market and being used, so they have value. Mm-hmm. Are there any other um, tools that you are uh, that you like? Any uh, pens or pencils or? Uh, there's a pencil that I like to sketch with called Ebony. It's mm. a nice black pencil. Uh, very generic. You could just probably buy boxes of them. I think they're still for sale. I have so many I haven't had to buy them lately. Ebony. Um, uh, I I like to play around, although I don't. It's not for the cartoons, but I play around with uh, colored pencils that um, also can be watercolor. Mm-hmm. So and mm-hmm. you 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 know you put the color down and then you and put water on it and, and it bleeds and it makes a nice interesting hmm. look. Very fluid. Um, it's hard to control often, so I, I don't use it for finished work. I do a lot of finished color stuff on the. Um, on Photoshop and my on my iPad, and I'm also playing around with animation on my iPad. Mm. Um, uh, tools. Let's see. Watercolor. If I do a color, I've done some children's books, so I've used uh, Winsor Newton watercolors. It comes in tubes, and mm-hmm. just watercolor brushes of different sizes. And that I'll use the same paper only with uh, rough, mm-hmm. rough okay. uh, arches paper. Textures, texture on it. Yeah. Trying to think what else. Pretty simple. Yeah, it sounds that way. What mm-hmm. about on your iPad? What is the tool that you like the most when you do your um, your live drawings or any of the work on your iPad? Do you have a favorite? I finally settled on the, the iPad, uh, the Apple Pencil. It's, I just like it better. I, I did start, the, the, the app that I use for my live drawing is called Paper. It's now mm-hmm. owned by WeTransfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, it was its own company down in New York, um, and they had a stylus, or they still have a stylus that they sell. Mm-hmm. And I started out using that, and I do like that that stylus. It's broader, and it's almost like a, it looks like an old-fashioned flat pencil. I don't know if you mm-hmm. remember those. They yeah, were like a carpenter's pencil, like, right? Exactly, right. It looks like that, and so it has a thicker line. Uh, but the iPad pencil, you can also make thick if you want. Um, so that's pretty much all I use now. Something I discovered because I have I, I was also the, almost the same uh, situation where I use those flat pencils from fifty three and paper. Um, it oh, turns out, you? yeah, a really big fan of that. And then when the pencil came out, just the the detail I could achieve just made mm-hmm. it a natural choice. But exactly mm-hmm. the thing I just I remembered was that these were Bluetooth. So the, for the fun of it, a little while ago, I brought one of those out, charged it up, and it turns out that it works on your phone. So. In the case of your uh, running oh, right. situation, it you does. can use it on your phone. That's right. I have tried it because I draw on the subway yeah. in yeah. New York. I'll, I'll sit there and draw, and I can use that. That's right. I forgot about that, the 53 pencil. Now, it does have limits, like you said. It's, um, you know, the, the the resolution is a little bit less than a pencil. But, I mean, depending on what you're doing, maybe that doesn't matter. So, What do you mean the resolution? It's not as, as dense? I mean, you can choose a fine. I just feel like the – so the iPad Pro and the pencil, it seems like the – the ability to represent what I intend to draw mm-hmm. feels a little bit more one-to-one where with the 
53 pencil mm. like it was probably 85 percent accurate sometimes mm-hmm. it was pretty close but there were times when i really didn't mean to draw that and i would have to mm-hmm. undo it or something mm-hmm. i don't know how it's hard to describe I know now that i haven't used it for a while but I, it would be interesting to to get those two out and kind of compare them again and see because i think paper by we transfer still probably supports those pencils mm-hmm. um that they made to see like I think Bluetooth, the resolution, the ability to capture where your pen was, was more limited. So, I think also I I I might try it again as well because I found when I first started doing this live drawing thing on Twitter, I I would use the WeTransfer. I'm sorry, the paper pencil uh, pencil, mm-hmm. and the drawings, my early live drawings were so so bold and quick mm. that I think that's in part what attracted people to them because they were different than anything else on Twitter. It's like mm-hmm. these these wild, like kind of, <laughs> I don't know, uh, bold, uh, bold and drawings of, of like uh, Prince or, or Lady Gaga or something. And, and mm-hmm. uh, people were like, whoa, what's that? It's, it's a thumb stopper. This <laughs> mm. so makes people stop on their stream and say, check it out. And then they don't get that quite as much with a pencil because it's finer. Mm. But, that's a little bit like I've noticed that when I start switching between tools, like when I use a flare a flare pen, there's sort of a, a different quality to my work than when I use, say, a precise V7 or a, mm. a brush pen. Like the tool itself sort of, I mean, it's still me coming through it, but it sort of gets expressed just a little bit differently. And I wonder if that's what you're identifying with the old mm. uh, pencil from 53, uh-huh. uh, that it, maybe the tool itself forces you to work in a different way. Again, another limitation, and then you end mm-hmm. up with this interesting, you know, look and feel, which is sort of partially the tool itself as well as you know your observation. That's interesting. I hadn't I thought yeah, about that. Yeah, you're. I have a good point. It's like the animation that I'm trying. I'm using two different apps on on the iPad. I I mm-hmm. never studied animation. I don't know what the heck I'm doing, but uh, these are really simple programs. One's called Animation, I think, and the other one's called. Uh, Loom, L-O-O-M. Mm-hmm. It's brand new. And they actually, the, the developers got in touch with me and said, have you tried our new product? Mm-hmm. So I did. And they're really, in, it's really both really interesting and they're adaptable to very simple drawings such as mine. I don't like apps that have a lot of dials and numbers and mm-hmm. gauges mm-hmm. and stuff. It just, it just uh, doesn't, my brain doesn't, uh, shuts down. <laughs> so um, these are fun. So your listeners might want to try those. Hmm. I'll definitely put those in the show notes for people mm-hmm. that want to check them out. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I was going to, uh, as we're coming t- near the end of the podcast is tell us um, three tips that you would recommend to someone who's getting into visualization. Maybe they've been doing it for a while, but they feel like maybe they plateaued and they just need a little bit of inspiration. Um, what would be three things you might tell someone in that situation to help them maybe think differently or things they could do differently? Um, even practical tips that you might suggest for someone in that situation. Oh wow! Um, I think your your show is a great uh, tool for people. I I, I often tell students, uh, young young people, and I don't think your your listeners are young, but um, it applies to everybody. Is just look at other people's work. It, it's an inspirational mm-hmm. thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, see how and no, don't copy them, but be inspired by what they're doing. Expose yourself to as much content as you can of other mm-hmm. people's stuff i don't do that as often as i really should always carry an extra pencil with you mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'm mm-hmm. always dropping them always be open as we've been talking about 
you have to adapt to new realities, always be、mm. open to new ways of doing things. I mean, that's why I started doing the live drawing thing, and it's, it's provided a whole new like, branch of my career.、Mm. Um, and I love it. So, and that's because I'm open to, oh, here's an iPad. Let me see what this can do and playing with it. And I, I'm sure that most of your listeners are like that、mm. uh, if they're in、yeah. sketchnoting. Because、so. that's a new, it's a new field. People often, when I describe what I do, they say, Oh, you mean that thing they do when people are at meetings and they're drawing on these long, big pieces of、mm-hmm. paper? I said, No, I have no idea how to do that. That's really <laughs> awesome stuff. I can't do that.、Um, so just be open. Like, try the animation. It, it'll, it'll inform your sketchnoting, I'm sure. Or,、uh, I don't draw all the time. That's another thing I tell people is draw all the time as best you can. Just let your mind sort of. I often say, coming up with ideas, you have to listen to yourself think.、Um, mm. It's not probably what you do in sketchnoting because you're listening to other people. But, sometimes.、Um, sometimes. Sometimes.、Um, yeah, I guess you do have to listen because you have to choose, right? You、mm-hmm. have to choose what you're going to put up there, but you're also thinking, like, what would other people, how would they respond to what I'm choosing? Yeah.、Um, so you're, we're, we're all thinking about our viewers, whether we admit it or not.、Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to listen to yourself think and. And be aware of what your brain is doing, you know, wh- where it's going, and, and stop it. If it's going in an interesting place, stop it and, and listen to it for a while.、Hmm. Interesting. Those are, those are great. Well, I hope so. I mean, it's hard to put into words because,、yeah. like you said earlier, we just, this is just what we do. So to try to explain to somebody how we come up with an idea or what might be helpful to, to another artist. It's, it's often hard to think those things, think, to, yeah. to, to, to pull them out. Sometimes maybe it's best to just let them watch what you do and they pick up things that you don't realize you're even doing, right? So that's. I think that's really true.、Uh, yeah, because、uh, this live drawing thing I'm doing, somebody wrote in, a, a young person wrote in and said, Oh, I really enjoy watching you draw. Like, is there. Is, how can I draw faces? How can I draw someone more feminine? How can I do that? She really wanted me to give her specific. Answers and I don't have those answers really.、Mm. I don't, I don't want to. What you do is you watch somebody else do it. I think that's how I learned、mm-hmm. when I was seven years old. You watch, you look at other people's work and you watch somebody.、Um, and you'll, if you really want to do it, you'll figure it out.、Mm-hmm. And then it will come out in your way of doing、exactly. it, which then makes it your style. Exactly. Yeah. Which is a win win, right?、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, Liza, thanks for making time. I would love to have people find all the work you've done so they can follow you and be. With you at five o'clock when you do these drawing yeah, sessions. That'd be great. So, so, tell me a little bit about how can people find you? Where should they go to learn more about you? Well, I have a website. It's lizadonnelly.com, L I Z A D O N N E L L Y.com. And then all my social media is my name.、Hmm. So, Instagram is Liza Donnelly. Twitter is Liza Donnelly. I got on early. That's the benefits of early adoption <laughs> is that you can get your own name soon. And then Facebook, also, I have two pages on Facebook, Liza Donnelly. But one's, one's cartoons and the other's just personal. Okay. But it's also got cartoons on it, too.、Um, what else is left? What, Instagram, Twitter, Periscope is Twitter.、Uh, you, you mentioned Medium before. Do you have a Medium、uh, oh, page、yeah. where you post to? Yeah.、Uh, it's my name. I guess you just、mm. search my name.、Um, That's great.、So、I, yeah, I write and I draw cartoons for that. I love that. I love that platform.、Um, Yeah, I think that's, is that it? That's yeah, I think you've got it covered. I think、uh, if you do a Google search for Liza Donnelly, you're going to find all kinds of resources and definitely 
Find so. time. Um, so that's five o'clock Eastern time. Uh, is it every weekday that you do that? Every day. Every day. Wow. <laughs> so if you are looking for some inspiration, as we talked about here, I think it would be a great resource for you to pop in and follow Liza as she draws and mm-hmm. take inspiration from that and see how that impacts what you're doing. And I think it encourages people to remember that it's about a process that you don't always just arrive, that it's the things you do every day that make you better, but there's always opportunity to improve, which is actually pretty exciting. I think knowing that there's opportunities to improve. Yeah. And I've been at it a long time and I'm still looking for those, those uh, pretty great. opportunities. Uh, tell people that, um, or I'll tell them myself. <laughs> uh, you can direct message me on Instagram or Twitter. I'll try to get back to you. And um, if you have questions or tell me where you're from, or if you came to me via this podcast, let me know. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Thank you, Liza, for uh, making time. And uh, um, for everyone who's listening to the podcast, uh, this will wrap another episode and we'll talk to you next time. The Sketchnote Army podcast was created by me, Mike Rohde, and brought to you by Rohde Design Studios. It's produced and edited by Alec Polianis of Amp Creative Studios. The theme music was created by John Schiedemeyer. Special thanks to Chris Wilson for his hard work on show notes. To support the creation of this show, I invite you to buy one of my books, The Sketchnote Handbook or The Sketchnote Workbook. You can find the books on Amazon or... Go to peachpit.com and use the code RODI40 for 40% off. Please share this podcast with other visual thinking friends and be sure to leave a nice rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app so others can find the show.